Good morning, church. I'm Dr. Jeff. I'm one of the pastors here at Northside. It is great to be in worship with all of you. And I'll have to admit, there is nothing better to follow as a speaker than what we just saw on the stage. There's also nothing more intimidating to follow than all of your children. They did an incredible job. That was a blast. Also, happy Father's Day, church. It is an exciting thing to celebrate here in the life of the church. There are always so many things that we want to celebrate here at Northside, but today we want to take a moment to recognize fathers in our congregation. I also recognize as a pastor that not every relationship with a father is ideal or perfect. Oftentimes it's complicated, but when we turn to scripture and when we look at the Bible, we see examples of a perfect heavenly father. My favorite example comes from the story of the prodigal son where uh, a child runs away from home, but the wayward child returns home. And this is the verse in Luke 15, 20 that we hear about from the father. The father seeing the son a long way off says, it saw, the father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Such is God's love for us, like that of a perfect heavenly father. And so I believe there's a special relationship that exists between fathers and their children. We want to honor that today. I'll ask various groups to stand and remain standing. Let's start. Are there any great-grandfathers we have with us today? Any great-grandfathers here? Any grandfathers we have with us? If you could stand and remain standing. Any fathers with us? Looking at this group, I'll also say, are there any expectant fathers, first time expectant fathers with us? You may be seated and let us pray. Almighty God, heavenly Father, we thank you for these men, the men that exemplify your love in the way that they love their children. God, bless each of these dads. May they love in a sacrificial way that you taught us. May this role in their life be covered with your grace and your guidance. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, church, we are continuing with the I Believe series here at Northside, the series we're going through during the months of June and July. We're looking at the Apostles' Creed, and today we'll be looking specifically at the phrase, Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord. And creed is from the Latin word credo meaning, I believe, and it's simply a statement, a concise statement that summarizes our beliefs. We see these throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, various creeds in scripture, and the church finalized the Apostles' Creed that we are looking at in the seventh century. It's become an important part of our liturgy, of our worship here today, and we recite it both in our traditional service and here at the end of the contemporary service. And in this creed, the bulk of it is actually a statement about who Jesus is. I'm going to read that where we normally read our scripture because it forms the structure of this message. Hear this portion of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in Jesus Christ, 
his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. And so for the task for this morning is just to cover the life and ministry and impact of Jesus really quick. Y'all have a couple of hours, right? Because that's no problem. The reality is this message of Jesus can be summarized in that part of the Apostles' Creed. But the core of it is understood by the children who were on stage and understood that Jesus loves you. But what does it mean to believe in Jesus? Believing in the historical figure of Jesus does not require an act of faith. Even an atheist would believe that there was a man who lived 2,000 years ago, who was a teacher, who was a religious leader that was executed by the Roman state. These are historic facts. We have writings from the first century. Some are in our Bible today about who Jesus was. This belief is a simple thing, but the Christian takes a second step and believes in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord. The first words of this statement are the name Jesus Christ. Now, we're used to hearing names as first name, last name. So some might think it's Jesus, first name, Christ, last name. That's not exactly how it worked in the first century. Instead, people would have one name. And oftentimes, they would also be known by their trade or relationships or a place. Jesus might have just been known as Jesus of Nazareth. But when was the last time you had to name someone? Maybe you have a cat or a dog at your house. We have a cat at our house. And I'll tell you, my wife Emily and I went through so many different name possibilities for this cat, one after the other, and nothing seemed right. Finally, we decided, let's keep the name the shelter gave her. Josephine seems great. It's so hard. And then if you try to name a kid, now that's the next level of a heavy decision. I mean, this is a name that somebody you are going to love with all of your heart. That decision will impact them the rest of their life. No pressure. And so Jesus, Jesus' name was given to his mother Mary in a dream by an angel. And I'll have to admit that makes me a little bit jealous. Seems a little bit too easy to have it done that way. But the name Jesus is the Greek translation of the Hebrew name Yeshua. And Yeshua translates to mean savior or deliverer. So when we say the name Jesus, we are saying savior, deliverer. And we need a savior, don't we? A personal savior in our life, someone who can come and stand by our side when we face temptations, when the sin of this world creeps in slowly and carefully, when the whispers of temptation tell us to go off the straight path, when we find ourselves caught in the spiral, when we find ourselves in a place of anger or in destructive conflict, we need to call on the name of Jesus, a Savior. We've talked about 
the idea of breath prayers here at Northside. Dr. Bill's preached on it a time or two, and it's a prayer that you can say in one breath. Because we know that every breath we take is a gift of God. The Holy Spirit fills the air around us. And a breath prayer is a simple statement that can center our hearts when the chaos of life is swirling around us. And so the next time you find yourself needing a Savior, I encourage you to simply utter the name Jesus. When you're tempted to lie or say a hurtful word, Jesus. Maybe as you read the news, as you hear about stories going on in the world around us, Jesus, deliver us, save us. Jesus is Yeshua. That was his name, but we add the title of Christ. Jesus Christ, God's only son, our Lord. And Christ is the Greek translation of the Hebrew word Messiah, which would mean anointed one, oftentimes used for a king. Think back to your Old Testament. Maybe you remember the stories of King Saul or King David. We read stories about how they were anointed in kind of bizarre ways, if you haven't read about it, but it happened. And they were kings over Israel. They had some pros and some cons, some strengths, some weaknesses, uh, but ultimately they did not fulfill everything that God would desire in a king. And so the Jewish people continued looking for this Messiah, the one who would be the true king, the king of kings, and do every way, everything and lead the people in every way that God would desire. And so Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the king of kings, who did things as God desired. Jesus is our savior, the deliverer. Christ is the king of kings who we waited for, who has come and who will come again. Jesus Christ, God's only son. So if we started by talking about the fact that anyone can believe that Jesus existed, believing that Jesus was God's only son is the exact opposite. You have to have some faith to believe that Jesus is God's only son. You have to believe in what you hope for and be certain of what you cannot see. But what does it mean that Jesus was God's only son? It leads us as Christians to this idea that we call the Trinity. Now, Trinity is one of those church words that perhaps you're familiar with, but you don't fully understand. And the good part about that is nobody fully understands what the Trinity is, but it's something we take on faith. The Trinity is the simple belief that God is one, but God is also three. We are a monotheistic religion, mono, one, theo, God, one, God, but we believe that God is understood and experienced in three different persons. God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, Jesus, God's only son, and the Holy Spirit active in sustaining the world around us. 
But Jesus is God's only son, this person of the Trinity that came into our world. And this is one of the things that sets Christianity apart from the other religions in our world, that God stepped in to our world. We believe that Jesus is God incarnate, God with us. One of the names for Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And it shows us that God always takes the first step in our relationship. That God was willing to step into our world before we knew who God was. And no matter what we go through, because Jesus is fully God and fully human, Jesus understands our story. He understands our struggle. He understands everything we are going through because he was there too. We proclaim that we believe in Jesus Christ, God's only son, our Lord. But what does it mean for Jesus to be Lord of our life? It's a confession. It's a foundational statement. It is a statement of allegiance to Jesus before anything else. But it's also a relationship, one that we make a commitment to and one that we have to nurture regularly. It's a commitment that the early church made normative. It's a statement that they said over and over again, and we see it show up in the New Testament. One of the examples of this comes from Colossians chapter 6, where Paul was writing to the church about what it would look like to make Jesus Lord. And I'll read Colossians 2, 6 through 12. It says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow or deceptive philosophy, which depend on human traditions and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised with the circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Paul wrote this with an assumption that Jesus was Lord of the life of those who were listening. But today, we recognize that that might not be the case for everyone who hears this scripture. Perhaps you have not come to a point in your own journey where you have called Jesus Lord of your life. Maybe you have not claimed him savior and master over everything in your world. And I get it. That is a big decision. That's a decision that you should take seriously, that you should consider for a long time. And if you do want to take that step, you can always come to a pastor like myself or Dr. Bill or uh, Reverend Sarah, any of the pastors here at Northside. But it's a big deal. And when you do call yourself a Christian, when you claim to believe in the Apostles' Creed, then you are claiming Jesus as Lord of your life. And when you do that, 
you're also claiming belief in the promise that we can be raised with Jesus. In a spiritual sense, here in this world, here and now, to abundant life, but also in eternal life to come. This belief is the promise that we have when we claim Jesus as our Lord. But the early church, they knew that just believing in Jesus was not the point. Simple belief is not enough. We have to put our faith into action. The point is to follow Christ. And that's why Paul wrote, live your life in Christ. Be rooted and built up in him. Don't be deceived by worldly thinking. See, one of the dangerous things we can find ourselves falling into in the trap of only considering our doctrine is that we will just think and we won't actually do. We won't actually live the right way. But when we say Jesus is Lord, it is a statement about our actions because we will live differently if we truly claim Jesus as Lord of our life. He's a person that was of a savior. He is the Messiah. He is God's only son, fully human and fully divine. Jesus could demonstrate what it means to be Lord in any way we could imagine, beyond anything we could imagine. And yet, Jesus shows us that to be Lord means you will serve. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. He talked to the outcast and the marginalized. He cared for the sinner. Jesus showed us that power shouldn't be used to lord over people, but it should be used to love people. So when we say that Jesus is Lord, we are saying that we believe true power means serving others. And if we say it, and we need to do it. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord. And because I believe it, I need to live like it. I need to love and serve. That is our task, church. Pray with me. Jesus, we thank you that you are Savior. We thank you that you are King of Kings that you display perfect power. We thank you that you came into our world, that you walk among us, that you understand us and love us and want to serve us. So God, work in our hearts. Work in the hearts of those in this room, wherever they're at in their relationship. If they've not claimed you as Lord, speak a fresh word to them this morning. If they have, God, show them what it looks like to serve in their world. What does it mean to love and serve? And how can we always come back to that simple truth the children learned in VBS that you provide and you love us? It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.